number one We'll hold the line We won't step back We'll just attack time after time We're lightning fast We'll drive like rain We won't be beat We won't retreat Ice in our veins We are the storm from Melbourne Town will blow the others off the ground We are the storm And we're number one We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 11. As always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm your host Gobs and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views and storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast. That's the edge they're going to go at all night. Melbourne Storm showed their doubters that predictions of the team's demise were greatly exaggerated as Cameron Munster and Xavier Coates drove them to an impressive 28-8 win over the Sydney Roosters on Holy Thursday night. The Storm's 1-2 and two start had some critics lining them up for a fall in the standings, but they have now defeated Premiership fancies the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Roosters in consecutive weeks and now sit on the verge of the top four. In very wet conditions at Amy Park, the Storm withstood a strong start from the visitors before Munster's creativity and Coates's finishing saw them bolt away with the match, with Coates bringing up his hat-trick of tries in 48 minutes. A great crowd of 16,323, considering the weather and the Easter long weekend, turned up to watch the surging storm, who held their shape defensively and then exploded in attack with fullback Nick Meaney having probably his best game in a purple jersey, playmakers Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster, plus hooker Harry Grant, regularly combining to cut open the visitors. Storm coach Craig Bellamy, commended his players for the defence and the pressure work that they applied to the Roosters team. It was probably the best performance thus far. Let's hear what Belzer had to say in the press conference. Storm are back, Craig. Gritty last week and some flair tonight. Must have been a happy coach's box this week. Yeah, there's certainly some improvements. Um... You know, we improved last week and I think we went another couple of steps tonight, actually. Obviously, we controlled the ball really well, you know, and um, that made it a little bit easier on our defence, um, which, you know, again, was, was good tonight. But, um, you know, our completions 
was a thing that really stood out and I thought the way we sort of closed the game down you know, in that last 20, 25 minutes, I thought you know, we showed a lot of patience, um, which probably was one of our strong, strong points in the first you know, two or three rounds. So, um, yeah, it was it was a really good performance, just a really well-controlled performance. And, um, you know, there's still a few things that I reckon we can still, sort of still get better at. But, um, like I say, the way they controlled the game tonight was, um, I mean, it was first class. And a lot of that control came on to exactly what Beliak was referring to, the completions. Now... The Storm completed 39 from 45 sets at a completion rate of 86%. And that's impressive, let alone on a dry track compared to the wet conditions that were uh, that were experienced at uh, Amy Park last Thursday night. So to be holding the ball and getting through 86% completion rate in those conditions, remarkable, remarkable. Now, I've, I've said previously on, the, on this podcast is that usually to be able to put yourself in the position to win, you should be completing at 80% or higher. So it's no surprise how dominant Melbourne were with 86% completion rate. They weren't turning the ball over cheaply and inviting the Roosters into the game. The Sydney Roosters side committed 13 errors to just eight from the Storm, who in turn had 57% of possession, which exhausted the visitors. The Roosters were patient and clinical in their early chances, and on 12 minutes they scored the opener with Sam Walker throwing a brave lofted pass and was cannoned into the ju- and was cannoned into Justin Ollum for his trouble. Uh, yeah, welcome to first grade kid. Every time you see Justin Ollum, oh, my ribs hurt. Rooster star Victor Bradley was sinned in for a late and stupid shot on Cameron Munster, but Walker's pass caught the Storm's defence moving up too fast and allowed winger Jackson Paulo to score in the corner to see the uh, visitors lead 6-0. Melbourne responded shortly after a Christian Welsh offload broke open the Roosters' defence with fullback Nick Meany finding winger Xavier Coates. Walker's kickoff bounced off the storm to receiver's hands. Desperation's um, uh, Hughes's desperation leap to keep the ball from going out in the goal, uh, but was ruled a deliberate knock-on. With Walker converting a kick uh, for an eight to six lead. Now I know um, a lot of fans and and supporters. Have probably be thinking, aren't you allowed to do that in the end goal? But no, you you can't purposely, intentionally propel the ball forward in order to try and keep it in the field of play. It's it's still deemed a knocked on. Even, even if he was able to regather, it's intentionally, purposely propelling the ball forward. Um, so again, that constitutes um, a, a, a knock-on in... In, in a certain um, in a certain way, so that's been a law since 1895 when rugby league was first founded back in uh, back in Huddersfield. Um, so that's how far that rule does go back. But again, it's it's a very rare sight. So hopefully that clears that up for some fans that were probably potentially scratching their head. I was more about pulling my hair out, saying, "Yuzi, what are you doing?" 
Alas, alas, the storm continued to build up possessions and pressure on the Roosters, and Radley was first to crack, hitting Munster late after he threw a pass with a brutal tackle which saw him both reported and sent to the Simbin for 10 minutes on the 27-minute mark. Now, I didn't think it was... I don't think it warranted it being placed on report. Um, Yes, you can't hit playmakers late. You can't hit anyone late. So I didn't have a problem with him being Sinbin, but really, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have bruised a grape. Um, And Munster, to his credit, bang, gamesmanship. You play up to it as well. Um, But in saying that, Radley shouldn't have done what he's done and and Trent Robinson, the Roosters coach, even even, um, whacked him for... uh, for that brain explosion. So there was no need for it. If anything, it just invited Melbourne back into the game and gave the Storm the ascendancy. Munster had the last laugh with his high kick in the next possession, being caught by a surprisingly high leap from Nick Meany, who scored next to the post and converted the try for a 12-8 to lead. Harry Grant's pressure on Walker saw the Roosters star rush a field kick and put it out on the out of... Uh, bounds on the full. That allowed the Storm to march up field with ease. Meany and Munster teamed up with Meany breaking the line and drawing in the last defender before passing inside to Munster to score under the post for an 18-8 to lead, which then took the, the both teams into half-time. Munster was again the playmaker as the Storm extended their lead soon after the resumption with the Roosters penalty allowing the Storm to push forward with a Munster's high chip landing in the in-goal area, bouncing into the hands of Coates to make it 22-8. to Coates completed his hat-trick, chasing down Ollum's surprise grubber kick and touching it down just before the line, showing expert handling in the wet conditions. Meany was sent for a head injury assessment, a HIA, midway through the second half, and Munster filled in at fullback, but Meany was able to return and complete the game. Now, we know now that Nick Meany has actually uh, failed uh, HIA protocols, meaning that he's actually going to be stood down for 11 days under the NRL's concussion uh, rules. Um, so whilst he did return to the game, he has actually experienced post concussion uh, symptoms post um, the original head knock last Thursday night. So um, you can't say the Melbourne Storm aren't taking things seriously when it comes to concussion and head knocks. So firstly, I commend uh, the Storm's medical team um, and, and, and the club as a whole in being so transparent, uh, honest and accountable ensuring that um, they are taking this serious. So um, it'd be very, very easy to sort of ignore it and sweep it under the under the rug and say she'll be right. But, again, you're putting the welfare, um, the health and the welfare of the player first and foremost, and that should always, always take precedence. So kudos to the Storm medical team and the club for being so honest and, and transparent with uh, head knocks, um, be it on game day or post-game post at training, etc. The Storm are still waiting on the return, as we know, of star fullback Ryan Pappenhausen from a fractured kneecap. Um, he received a loud cheer when shown on the big screen late in the game. 
the Storm faithful can see big things on the horizon as this as this season plays on, especially injecting Ryan Pappenhausen back in hopefully um, not too distant future. So, fingers crossed. I've I've um, I'll talk uh, a little bit more to that um, when I come to the injury and rehab report. But um, yeah, uh, all in all, um, that round six review. It's the best the Storm have played thus far this season. Um, the gutsy, the gritty win against the Rabbitohs was fantastic. Um, you could see the the effort, desire, determination and steely resolve return uh, against West's Tigers, um, especially that last 20, 25 minutes of that game. And it's it's gone up a notch um, against the Rabbitohs and now the Roosters where that trademark purple wall that defence has returned. Um, and I think we all want to see that remain um, because to be putting yourself in a position to be a premiership heavyweight or a premiership contender and be there in grand final day, tradition, traditionally and, and history shows that the two teams that always square off in the grand final are, are, are usually the best defensive teams, usually the first you know, first best defensive team and the second best defensive team. So defence wins competitions and every time the Storm have put themselves in a grand final and have gone on to win a premiership, they've always been in the top two defensive teams and that's what Craig Bellamy coaches. So... It's great to see it return. Now we want to see consistency. We've seen it for a good several weeks now, several rounds. So it's really about building on this and and ensuring that that becomes the cornerstone uh, and the theme for the rest of 2023. Team List Tuesday, the Battle of Brookvale. You've come running, uh, come running a distance to throw punches. You've run here as well. So you go for 10. Why you go, Glenn? Why you go, Glenn? Well, Glenn may as well start walking because he's not going to stay there. <laughs> he may as well get going. Yeah, see you. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> well, they start peddling at him. So it was Adam Blair and Glenn Stewart in an embrace of the century. Yes, folks, it's on again. Rugby League's most infamous modern-day rivalry, the Seagulls and the Storm, set to renew acquaintances this Friday night at Four Pines Park, a.k.a. Brookvale Oval. Melbourne Storm fullback Nick Meaney will miss the Round 7 match against Manly, as I've already alluded to, uh, after experience delayed concussion symptoms following the Easter Thursday win against the Sydney Roosters with the club's top point scorer for 2023 absent, Cameron Munster has been named in the number one jersey to face the Seagulls with rookie half Jonah Pezzett returning to the starting 13 
in the halves. Pezzett has played three consecutive games in the NRL, filling in for Munster when he was unavailable due to injury in round three, and for Jerome Hughes, who missed both the wins against Wests and Souths due to suspension. There are no other changes to the squad of 17, who down the Roosters 28-8 at Amy Park last Thursday as the Storm heads to Brookvale, chasing a fourth consecutive victory for the season. Named on the extended bench are Grant Anderson, Aaron Penney, Tyron Wishart, Sua Fayolongor and Jack Howarth. Kickoff is at Four Points Park, will be at 8pm, live on Channel 9, 9 Gem, Fox League and KO Sports. Okay, now let's look at the team list. So, Cameron Munster at fullback in the number one jersey. Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates on the wings. In the centres, Remus Smith and Justin Ollum. In the halves, Jonah Pezzett in the six jersey. Jerome Hughes at seven. In the front row, Tui Kamikamitha, Christian Welsh and Harry Grant is at hooker. In the back row, Trent Laero, Alicia Katoa and Josh King. On the interchange bench, we've got Bronson Garlic, Alec McDonald, Tom Eisenhuth and Tarek Sims. On the reserves, we have Grant Anderson, Aaron Penney, Tyron Wishart, Sue Longo, and Jack Howarth. Now, at the time I'm recording this, um, the Storm have uh, reduced their 22-man squad to 19. Um, Grant Anderson and Tyron Wishart remain as reserves. So that's where they're at. So let's have a quick look at the Sea Eagles lineup. So Turbo Tom Trebojevic is at fullback. Jason Saab, who made his long-awaited return from an ACL injury, returned last week. He again is on the wing with Raymond Vega, uh, who is playing his third uh, NRL game. Brad Parker and Morgan Harper are the centres. Cooper Johns, a former Melbourne Storm Half will wear the number six and line up against Melbourne for the first time. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans is captain and at halfback. Their forward pack, front row, is Taniela Paseka, Jake Chaboyevich, and Lachlan Croker is at hooker. Their back row is Halumi Olukawatu, Kelma Tuolagi, and Josh Aloe. And their interchange bench looks like this. K.O. Weeks. Ethan Bullimore, Aaron Woods will make his club debut after being released in a swap deal, uh, which uh, moving from St. George Illawarra Dragons to the Manly Warringah Seagulls, and Toa Sipley uh, rounds out the interchange bench. On the extended uh, reserves, they have Sean Kepi, Samuel Afane, Ben Condon, Gordon Chan Kam Tong, and Josh Schuster who has been struggling with a quad injury. So, the dangers. Let's have a look. The Seagulls have probably two of the most potent attacking weapons in Tom Trebojevic and Daly Cherry Evans. Both dynamic ball runners, and if they're given room, space and time, they will punish any opposition defence. The Storm have traditionally limited the impact of Turbo, in particular in games previously played against the 2021 Daly M medalist. There's a famous game that when he was on his hot streak in 2021, the first qualifying final, 
um, Turbo was virtually turning water into wine. Every performance, he was he was just dominating, absolutely dominating. Um, and he came to that first week of the finals where the storm put on, I think, forty eight points against uh, against Manly, and um, it, it 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 virtually mapped out a blueprint on how to stop Turbo. And I mean, you can get there in numbers around him, but Numbers is one thing, but being able to corral him towards the sideline and smothering, the Storm do it better than anyone else. So you can bet your bottom dollar they'll have a game plan ready to go again because what they've done in the past has been effective, it's worked, and again, as I said, it's it's already provided a blueprint on how to stop Turbo and limit, limit his influence in a game. Um, and that's one of those things. Turbo is. I don't want to. Comp- I don't like comparing players, but in terms of his influence and being able to make other better players around him, Cameron Munster is having that same effect at Melbourne Storm at the moment. Whilst there is more of a team dynamic at the Storm because of the 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 likes of Harry Grant and Jerome Hughes and Nelson Solomona. The influence that Turbo has makes players better around him, and it's one of those things that if you can keep Turbo quiet, it almost keeps the Seagulls quiet. So um, if they can take and contain him uh, out of the game um, and and make sure that kick chase is good um, because that's one thing that Turbo loves and all good fullbacks like, is that they love to see a broken, scattered defensive line. So kick chase has to be uh, on song all night long. You want to be ensuring that you're actually not kicking the ball straight down his throat. So we need the ball to find space between the fullback and the winger, which gives time for the the, the kick chase uh, to be effective and for the storm to get down there in numbers. And we need that to be consistent. So it's it's one it's one good thing to have kick chase, but you need that consistency right across the eighty minutes, especially with an attacking threat like Turbo. So again, knowing what the Storm have done previously in terms of mapping out a blueprint on how to limit his impact, um, I mean you're never ever going to stop him. You can do all the video in the world. You can come up with the greatest game plan. You might not be able to stop him. Uh, but the next best thing is to try and limit his influence and involvement in a game. So I dare say it'll be number one on the tip sheet in that regard as well. Now, uh, Halumi Olokowatu and Kelma Tuolangi on the edges are a constant threat, especially when Manly get into good ball and execute their shape. They're big, they're powerful ball runners. Uh, a lot of their shape and attack comes off both back rowers. A lot of points... Um, close to the line, they're near unstoppable just because of the sheer size. Not to mention in the air, with the Seagulls' pet play in recent seasons, more so this year, has seen um, they go to the sky and they use Olakowatu's height over a much smaller four-man and three-man defender. In this case, it'll be against Liero and Munster, um, or Pezzet, I should say, um, as he'll be as he'll be in the sixth jersey, more than likely defending on on that left edge where money usually would be. So they'll be trying to use uh, 
Olakawatu's height advantage over both Liero and specifically in Pezzet. So big job defensively, they'll have to shut him down and contain the big Tongan back rower, who many are tipping to come into calculations um, for the New South Wales Blues come origin time. So, yeah, it's um, at Brookvale. Um, we know what Manly are like. They'll get up for this game. Um, they like to call it Fortress Brookie for a reason, and there is no there is no love lost between those two teams, these two clubs. Um, history shows that, you know, the Battle of Brookvale was a long time ago, but... No, it, it you can you can bet your bottom dollar. Um, both both clubs, both teams would would have spoken about it at some point throughout this uh, throughout this week leading up to this game. Um, returning to the scene of the crime uh, eleven years later. Well, there you go. Um, whilst we'll never ever see scenes like that again, um, it's good to reminisce. And again, the the rivalry. And the hatred of both these clubs still burns. Now, a lot of people talk about the rivalry of of um, Parramatta and Penrith, the Western Sydney derby, South Sydney and, and, and the Sydney Roosters. Um, from a modern-day rivalry perspective, uh, the Manly Roaringa Seagulls and the Melbourne Storm rivalry, in my personal opinion, goes all the way... It, it can be compared probably be compared to the fibros and the silver tails of of the late 70s, early 80s between uh, Western Suburbs Magpies and the Manly Warringah Seagulls where, again, there was just genuine hatred. And there is. There is actually hatred between these two clubs. Um, they'll get out in the media and they'll say, oh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a respect thing. Don't kid yourself. There is, there is genuine animosity between these two clubs. And it's fantastic because that's what the game thrives on. That's what the game was built on. The game was built on tribalism. The game was built on rivalry. Um, and again, um, I I absolutely loathe, despise Manly. Um, and for the Storm to have the Seagulls as their biggest rival, I I just I froth on it. I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. I I. I there's two teams. There's two teams that uh, that I support. Um, one is the Melbourne Storm, and the second is whoever's playing Manly. Rehab report. So we're starting to get a lot of our troops back, which is fantastic, and we're starting to see them turn out for our feeder teams uh, in the Sunshine Coast Falcons and the Brisbane East Tigers. So let's have a quick uh, around the grounds look at who is unavailable and is returning uh, slowly but surely um, to, to playing. So Nelson Sofa Solomona, uh, the New Zealand front rower, is closing in on a return to full training after he sustained a high-grade MCL injury against the Bulldogs in round two. Now, there was some vision last week of him running um, 
with Pappy. And again, that's a really, really good sign. Uh, I made mention to it two weeks ago uh, that the the brace of his knee was off, which is always a good sign. Um, and he's been sighted and um, at training with very, very little strapping uh, around the knee, which which is a really, really good sign. So whilst the, the fears were that he was going to miss 10 weeks as opposed to six to eight, uh, I think it's it's more going to be along that sort of uh, eight-week period. So doing it in round two um, and re- closing it on a return to full training, could we potentially see Nelson return next week? Could we? Hmm. Let's let's see. Let's see what uh, team list uh, Tuesday has in store for Big Nasty next week. Um, Nick Meaney, as we know, uh, Storm, um, the Storm's points uh, top point scorer this year, missed Friday night's match against Manly after experienced delayed concussion symptoms following the Easter Thursday win against the Roosters. As I've already made mention to, um, really congratulate. And, and pay hom- um, kudos to the Storm, their medical team and the club as a whole in terms of really, really taking this seriously and, and reporting it. Um, player welfare is imperative. So um, with, I think they said, uh, the 11-day turnaround, many will be available for uh, the Anzac Day clash against the Warriors, which is a good thing due to the um, Anzac Day featuring on a Tuesday. So there's no chance of Meany not missing that game thanks to the, the extended uh, period between the concussion uh, symptoms, first raising their head and missing this week, and then obviously um, with the Anzac Day game being on a Tuesday. So if it was played over the weekend, he potentially would have unfortunately missed two weeks. But... Um, yeah, thankfully it it'll um, it'll bode well for Meany being available for the Anzac Day game against the Warriors. Tepai Morua returning from a calf injury. The front rower is in line for a return to play uh, via the Host Cup Plus uh, for the Sunshine Coast Falcons against the Burley Bears this weekend. So that's great news for Morua. Um, coming back from injury, which is fantastic. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, as we know, Paps is building nicely. Um, he's upping the ante in his running volumes. Um, the exact date of his return is still to be confirmed. I made comment um, two weeks ago when it was um, first sort of... Announced that he'd gone from running on the Ultra G, the the anti-gravity treadmill, to running on sand, to then running on land, is he is closing in on starting that pre-season. And I dare say that mini pre-season would now be well in effect. So we know that he's running on land. We know he's been doing a lot of strength um, work in the in, in the gym. So he's squatting, he's leg pressing, he's doing all the all the basic power lifts. Um, so there's no issue there. And now it's again that word running volume. So they're putting volume into him, which means that they're trying to get that conditioning aspect of that base that he needs 
to be able to be playing 80 minutes of football week in, week out. So I read that as his pre-season is now in effect. Now, the minimum it usually takes for a player to get up to speed from a pre-season perspective, from a conditioning perspective, is minimum six weeks. Now, with the Storm having the bye in round 13... I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Pappenhausen will return in round 14. And that's an away game against the Cowboys. So I think potentially he could be touch and go for round 12. But knowing that the Storm have the bye in round 13, I think they'll, they'll push him out an extra week. They'll really, really try and get some additional work and volume into him, um, both from a physical conditioning strength perspective. Um, and then I think they'll unleash him in round 14. So uh, I'd be very, very surprised just because of the of how fit he is. Um, I'd be very surprised to see him make a comeback um, via the lower grades. I can't see him making his way back to first grade via the Sunshine Coast Falcons. I, I may be wrong, but I just think they've, there's too much investment in him as a, a, one of the top earners uh, in that list and, again, not wanting to not wanting to be a Debbie Downer or, or, or predict anything untoward, but, geez, I'll tell you what, the Storm would kick themselves if if they brought him back through reserve grade and he hurt himself and then set him back again. So it's one of those things where I think the professionalism of Pappenhausen, I think the, the performance staff at the Storm, they're, they're, they're prepping him ready for to hit the ground running for first grade for NRL. Um, and I think that's that's where the focus is. So, again, I'm predicting a potential round 14 uh, return, um, which is, what, seven weeks away. So let's see. Let's see how that pans out. Joe Chan, um, calf injury, the back row is expected to be back in action um, for this week for the Brisbane East's Tigers after missing... Their first two matches, uh, Dean Oromea, as we know, will not be available for the remainder of 2023 after suffering uh, an ACL rupture in the trials against the Warriors. So Godspeed to all of those still sidelined. And as I said, we're starting to get some troops back. It was looking very, very dire um, that first three weeks where we were missing 13 uh, players. Um and we're now starting to see the attrition rate at other teams and other clubs starting to take so uh, take effect um, due to the unfortunate nature of this game that we call rugby league. It is a collisional sport. Um, players are going to get hurt. It's part and parcel. Um, and you need a lot of luck on your side to go through um, a season uh, not, not sustaining uh big injuries to key players and, and long-term injuries to that extent as well. So you need a lot of luck to go your way. And we've seen that with the Panthers for almost consistently over three years now. They, they've 
they've been out, had the luxury to virtually choose everyone from their top 30 most weeks. So, again, Lady Luck is on, on their side. Um, you just you just hope that the Storm's bad run of injuries that we saw last season um, and now we've, what we've encountered the, the early rounds this season where we had 13 players uh, over that the course of the first three rounds unavailable. You'd get one and you'd lose three. That's what it was feeling like. Um, we want to see that, hopefully, that put behind us um, and getting everyone back on deck and especially in the key positions and keeping them healthy and fit is imperative. So, yep, let's hope all the boys are back ASAP sooner rather than later. Storm news. Well, a lot has been said about the form of Cameron Munster. His form for Melbourne has been outrageously good, so much so he's starting to have that effect on the Storm where he's becoming so influential on the result going Melbourne's way. He is also becoming that type of player that is making others around him better and shine, which I made mention at the top of the podcast, the same sort of effect that Turbo Tom has at Manly or Latrell Mitchell has at South Sydney. Uh, or James Tedesco, or Joe Aware Hargraves has at the Roosters. That's the type of influence he's starting to have at the Storm now. Very similar to what Cameron Smith used to have. So you're starting to see a bit of a, a shift in terms of Munster is now understanding that this is his team. This is how good of a player he is. He understands that now and he understands that he can actually influence and control the game of football, which coming in at the age of 27, he's in the prime of his playmaking career now. The the penny's probably dropped whilst um, previously he'd go out and wouldn't know what he's doing um, and just play play football, play what's in front of him. I don't like using the, the term eyes up play eyes up football because no one plays with their eyes down, do they? So, but he is, he's actually starting to understand now what he can do and when to do it. And you're starting to see that sort of maturity as a playmaker unfold on the field. And it it comes with time. It comes with time. And he's at that point in his career now where, like all good playmakers, like all good halves, like all good ball players, they actually start to understand the game. Everyone can read the game, but understanding the game and reading the game are two different things. And Munster is now starting to get to that point now where he's like, oh, okay, I know now. I know now what to do. Um, and it's 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 great to watch. It's great to watch it unfold. Um we saw that with Cooper Cronk as he be, again, Cronk was a self-made halfback. He was a manufactured number seven. Um, and the best of his career actually came when he got to that 28, 29, 30, 31, where he started to actually understand um, how to control the game, what it took to be a, a, a half. And Munster, whilst, again, just a natural, just a natural footballer, 
a tremendous athlete. He's now at that point now where he's maturing into into that sort of that playmaker where he knows how to control the game, and that 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 only bodes well for the Storm. So as I said, he's he's that type of player now that's making others around him better, um, and that goes to the talent of Munster. Uh, there's an old saying that all boats rise with the tide, uh, and many are suggesting. He is currently the best player in the game. And that's very hard to argue. Very hard to argue. He looks like he's out there playing in the front yard with the kids from the neighbourhood, tearing up the next door's front lawn, bamboozling his opponents with off-the-cuff wizardry. Um, it's, it is it is absolutely amazing to, to watch. And, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's pleasing as, as a Storm fan. And I think rugby league fans in general um, are really enjoying what they're seeing, um, and it, and it's 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 great to see, and it, it's great to hear, it's great to hear journalists and and media commentators talk so glowingly about Munster, um, especially considering where he's come from um, over the past two seasons. Um, we all know it's been well documented. Um, the late shenanigans of 2021 and that fork in the road moment where he decided to make some changes to his lifestyle and the beneficiary has been his football. His football has gone to a whole new level um, and it's not hard to see. Uh, the Matty Johns podcast, Matthew Johns and Cooper Cronk spoke to... Um, the form of Cameron Munster uh, this week, and if you hadn't seen it, uh, I, I I compel you to go to go back and watch it on Ko um, or stream it on demand on, on Fox League. But yeah, that no, was really really good. I, I I've, I've taken a bit of a snippet just hear what they had to say. On on Munster, and lots been said. It's funny with Munster. I've, I've done I've attempted to do this with Queenslanders and they just keep shooting me down. I go, you know, Munster, is it fair to compare him to? And they go, don't say Wally. The the king. (laughs) Right, but if you talk about impact and big games, particularly when the side needs you, then if you talk about, you know, the greatest players in in Queensland origin history, for that matter, just great playmakers, then you've got to talk about Munster. Like Munster, like the... You know, there's guys like there's Wally, but then there's guys like JT and there's uh, Alf and yourself and those guys like Munster. I look at some of the sides Munster's played in, with all respect. There was some Queensland sides that people were predicting, oh, mate, they're, they're not going to be able to win this. It's far inferior to the Queen, uh, to the New South Wales side, which often happens. Yeah. But almost on the back of just Munster performances, yeah, I think, he gets um, them home. I, I can't deny that. Uh, comparison. Oh, I won't say it out loud, but I can't. I get it because there's sparks and glimpses of brilliance in the most desperate times, mm. and that's what some of the greats do, right? Like Munster 2020 Game Three at Suncorp was the Wayne Bennett one, where New South yeah. Wales had the best team by country mile. Munster just had some origin folklore moments, a little kick down the side, Chase Grubber got it, and then I think it kicked over the top for Branko Lee. I played in his. Origin debut. I want to ask you about that. 2017 Game 3, right? Um, 
and Origin decided at Suncorp is a pretty intimidating place. And Munster came in and blitzed them during the week. Like, he, he uh, blitzed it during the game. I think he set up one for Val Holmes, scored, set up another one, had a really good game. Uh, played like a bit, bit like Wally. But the funny thing about Munster is he played, uh, trained horrendously during I, the week. I, I was going to ask horrendous. you about They reckon it's the worst week so bad. of anyone you've ever seen. To the point you had to grab him after the first session and say, mate, it's okay. You know, he's just doing <laughs> hands drills, like three people across pass. He'd drop it. What, pass, drop why? It. What was it? Was it nerves? or? Absolutely it's nerves because you know, you've got the, the build-up for the week. It's his first time in camp. He's got Malanga floating around and he's just seen these guys on TV that he would love to be a part of and he's just a little bit Apprehensive, big bit of anxiety kicking in. But the gambling nature in his personality, when it's that kind of moment, he's nervous. But when it's 52,000 people at Suncorp, he thrives. Sweet. Sweet. He, he thrives. And um, it's funny, with the first interactions with Munster as a young kid, he always had the, the talent and it was never really, th- he didn't put much thought into it. He trained hard but never really delved into why he did things. It's like when you work with young halves, when you see them do it and they do something, you go, how did you do that? And they go, I don't know. I don't know. I just did it. Mm. And you think, okay, right. When you get to the stage when you do something and you can say, I did this, this and this, the defence did that and that's why I did it, yeah. that's when you've got an elite ball player. And yeah. Munster now, after all that repetition, is starting to go, well, you know what, I know why I did that because I threw a dummy, I had inside support and I jumped off my left foot yeah. because they were moving sideways. Whereas before, 10 years ago when I first met him, it was like, yeah. I just did it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's putting it together now. Isn't it funny having a, a really acute... Um, knowledge of your own game and why something worked like i've i've you know played alongside you know halves and different guys at at, at different points and i remember once a guy got the ball i played with being left foot away show and went through brilliant bit of play why'd you do that i don't know I, i sort of looked up and one of the guys looked just a little tired so i thought i'd do it then four or five years later yeah, you know, you're talking about that play, and in hindsight, as they get old, they're able to explain yep. it. Yep. Okay, what I did, I saw this, and what happened on the inside, there's a little bit of space, and this guy, and, and yep. which enables them then to repeat that going forward. It's like a, a very good example of that is, you know, you come down a short side and you throw a big dummy, you go through. The, ver- the example would be that, oh, maybe the th- half and the back row are in the tackle, and then you've got middle of the forwards opposite you and you thought, you know what, this is my chance to run as opposed to passing, but Munster's putting it all together now. There you go, Cooper Cronk. I think he just nailed it and it was he probably articulated it a little bit better than what I did, but um, in terms of his actually understanding what he's doing now as opposed to not understanding what he was doing, which just goes to the freakish talent that, Cameron Munster is, and yeah, aren't, aren't we glad that um, aren't we glad as Storm fans and members that he is Melbourne through and through. He loves the loves the city, loves the club, um, and he he's shown that through his commitment um, by re-signing late last year, which one would suggest it's going to go a long way for him shoring up his future to become a one club. One club man following in the footsteps of Cameron Smith and Billy Slater. And um, as 
as a Storm fan and a Storm member, and I, I think I speak on behalf of all of us, um, we're incredibly great, grateful and ecstatic that he has chosen to do that. So, uh, Money Man, we, we love you and, yeah, just keep doing your thing, brother. Keep doing your thing. Now, there was also some some rather positive talk um, and – I almost choked on my green tea when I was watching 100% footy on Monday night and heard both Phil Gould, who we know has been quite biased um, and critical of the Melbourne Storm previously, um, and Paul Gallen speak positively and glowingly about the Melbourne Storm over the past couple of weeks. Um, let's hear what uh, both Gus and Gal had to say on 100% footy about our team. Melbourne Gus, they're getting the cavalry back and they're starting to look like the Melbourne we know and expect. Mm. Yeah, they are. They've, they've, you know, they've kept themselves in the competition. When they get it right, they get it right. They always look beautiful and clinical. They'll beat a lot of teams in this competition just on sheer professionalism. Uh, I don't know what to make of the Roosters. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but Melbourne were good the other night, moving quick, get through their plays. They get their football on. They've got those couple of really great Graham Baker players and they can beat anyone on their night. And there's no risk. Every player in their side has a role to play and they all play to perfection on all their plays. They, they, you never see a, a Melbourne Storm try put up because of a shepherd. They just all get it right. They know exactly what to do. They must rehearse it over and over and they just get it right on the night and... I, I thought they were outstanding the other night. And they've been really good the past few weeks. I remember three or four weeks ago, they were pumped by the Titans, weren't they? Someone put 30, 30 or 40 points on them a couple of weeks in a row, and I thought, they're gone. Finally, the Melbourne Storm have fallen over. We say year in, year out, well, they're going to go down a little bit this year, and they just keep turning up year in, year out. And the last couple of weeks, they're back to the Melbourne Storm, we know. They run hard, they run fast, mm. they run often, they put their plays together, and then they've got those blokes like Harry Grant and Munster who have just got that sense of you know brilliance about them. Everyone else just does their job. They just do their job. They run hard. They run fast. They run often, and they just they blow sides away. One man that yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Some positive feedback from 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 Gus and and from from Gal. So no, we'll look. We'll we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, usually they uh, they don't have. They don't have much nice things to say about the storm, so it's um, any sort of positive feedback is always in um, is always welcomed, especially by media commentators and critics, uh, especially um, from someone like Gus who has questioned the storms. I suppose, um, shall we say, um, their effectiveness as as a as a football team, there's no doubt he respects the club, but he's more so looking at the performance uh, through a coaching lens as opposed to a club or an organisational lens. So uh, I know firsthand um, that he respects the Storm as a football club um, immensely, absolutely immensely. um, all you have to do is go back to that unfortunate period of 2010 where he came to 
he came to the Melbourne Storm's defence and was actually on the Storm's side criticising the NRL for... For the handling of the situation, um, for allowing for allowing a development club like the Storm um, to not be in a position to be able to retain um, players that they have brought through, that they've identified, that they put through the system, um, came through the pathways, etc. Debuted with the club. Gus has always been very, very supportive of what the Storm have done from a from a pathways and a development. Um, perspective, but I suppose like majority of experts, they they start to see the the turnover of roster. Um, you start to see three or four players leave year after year after year, which is, has always been the case with the Storm uh, and is the nature of the salary cap, and we're starting to see that now with the Panthers. They're starting to lose players, and it's the price of success, right? So the more often you're having success, uh, and a, and a, a club uh, like the Storm that's had almost two decades of sustained success um, to be able to to be able to continue to compete for finals football after losing three to four players year on year in year out it's remarkable and I think you look at face value. And it's it's a fair it's a fair summation. You look at the storm at the moment, and you look at their their top thirty list. It's definitely not the strongest storm squad that's ever been assembled. Um, it's probably the youngest. It's probably the most inexperienced. Um, but it, it's it's funny. A week is a very very long time in rugby league, let alone a fortnight or a month or a year. Um, and for those people and those critics were saying that the Storm don't have the depth that they once did to be able to compete and be the same Storm that we've seen in previous seasons. So they were citing that, again, we haven't had the depth of previous seasons. Um, And fair point. However, all of a sudden, Will Warwick, Alec McDonald, Trent Liero, Grant Anderson, these type of players that were are still are still considered no names, they're now looking like every bit first graders. So when the likes of Ryan Pappenhausen, Nelson Osofa Solomona, Tepo Moroa come back and they start to become regulars in the NRL team again, these these players that have that have been exposed to first grade and regular NRL, then go back to reserve grade, and everything seems a lot easier because of the pace of the game. And then you go back, and they're playing against men, and they're playing against other NRL players in 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 the Host Plus Cup. So they're they're getting that seasoned seasoned sort of um, base. So when they they're called upon again, it's not going to be too daunting playing first grade because they've been there and done it, and that's 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 been the essence of why the Storm have been so successful over over the twenty years. That the next man up mentality, it is a living and breathing thing because the exposure that these players 
have been receiving over the past 12 to 18 months um, is now going to build that depth. So the depth that was once there, the like the likes of Nico Hines, for example, that the Storm said, you know, they had such a luxury that you know, if there was no if there was no Pappenhausen or there was no uh, Munster or there was no Hughes, you had Nico. But people have got to remember, Nico, Nico wasn't a ready-made first grader. He was in exactly the same position that the likes of Jonah Pezzett are in right now, or the likes of Nick Meaney, or the likes of Will Warbrick. But it's only the fact that it's recency bias that distorts the viewpoint of what is considered depth. Now, the Storm are confident in their depth, and it's now starting to show they've been every, they've had every right to believe that the depth that they do have there is as good as it's ever been. Now, others will debate that, but they're debating that on the on the basis and the premise. They don't know who these players are, and that's fine. We're not expecting everyone to know who the likes of Alec McDonald are or the likes of Will Warbrick are. A lot of people still don't know who Trent Liero is, and you know he's he cut his teeth in twenty twenty one. He was a part of the twenty twenty Premiership squad, and that's fine because that means there's a there's there's no expectation, and people start to underestimate the storm and their depth, and that's a good thing because it shows that the time that Again, if injuries or suspensions occur and it comes to that next man up and the likes of Alec McDonald and Will Warbrick and Grant Anderson and Tyron Wishart um, and Jonah Pezzett, they've got to step up to the plate. They're going to be ready. They're going to be ready and they're going to do a job like every other player in the past has been able to step up and handle the occasion and do their job. And that's a really, really good thing. So, again, um, it's all well and good for people and the media and the, the commentators in, in, in the game to to say this isn't the same storm team. Yep, they're right. It's not. It's a it's a new it's a new it's a new group, and that's always been the focus. That every single year, every single season, it is a new group. So don't compare this group to last year's. Squad, don't compare this group to the 2020 Premiership season. And the beauty of it is that this group is going to continue to build as the season goes on. Now, traditionally the Storm of War has started hard and fast. Hasn't been the case this year. They've started a little bit slower. But again, I've, I've, I've already given my predictions that the slower start will, I think, will see a stronger finish, which is traditionally not been the Storms, um, the way they build into a season. So you inject a, a Nelson, a Sofa Solomona and a Ryan Pappenhausen 
back into this 17 with an informed Cameron Munster, a solid Jerome Hughes, a Harry Houdini who just continues to to mesmerise his opposition in and around the ruck, Christian Welsh at full fitness, and then you've got the experience of Tui Kemikamitha, Tarek Sims, Josh King, who, in my opinion, is just growing and growing and growing every single week. Um, his form in 2023 has been outstanding. Exceptional footballer. Just goes about his job, does his work, um, and once he's done his once he's done his job, he goes and helps his mate. Like that's that's the type of player that epitomises the Melbourne Storm. And we've been so fortunate over the years that we've had players like that in Ryan Hinchcliffe, and you can even go back to Michael Crocker, uh, Dallas Johnson, um, Dale Finucane, now Josh King, and even throw in Tom Eisenhuth in, into that as well. You just know what you're going to get. And they're the type of player that epitomises what the Melbourne Storm is all about. Um, And aren't we grateful that they're at our club and they're contributing to the success and the continued success of of this great team and this great football club, the Melbourne Storm. Well, that's it for this week. Now, another massive game tomorrow night against our arch rivals, the Manly Warringah Silvertails Seagulls. So we want to see, again, the same effort, the same care, the intent uh, in defence specifically that we've witnessed over the past few weeks. Um, Again, it's just been been extremely... Pleasing to see it return. Um, now there's probably a bit of a, a bit of rain around in Sydney, in old Sydney town. It's definitely raining out here in in the southwest of Sydney, um, and I think some showers are coastal showers are predicted. So, if it is going to be raining um, over at Four Points Park on the northern peninsula, um, it actually might bring the two teams close together. And if that's the case, again, we're talking about ball security. We're talking about high completion rate um, for the Storm to be able to compete um, and be in the game. We need to see a very, very similar effort um, to what we saw against the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. And hopefully they can uh, produce that against the Seagulls again tomorrow night. Um, The Storm actually have a decent record at Brookvale. I know it's one game that every single year when the draw comes out, it's a game that I always circle. It is my favourite game to attend. Why? Why I hear you asking? Because I tell you why. There is no greater feeling, no greater level of satisfaction than walking out of Brookvale Oval with the win. That's why. That is why. So again, you talk about you talk about the rivalry, you talk about the hatred. It is real, it is real, and I live it and I breathe it. So bring it on. Um, I'm expecting um, 
a consistent performance of what we've seen over the past two to three weeks, specifically the last fortnight. Um, oh, I'm reluctant to say that it'll be a comprehensive win, again, because I think there's numerous factors at play. One, it's Brookvale. Two, Manly are coming off a bit of a hiding against the Panthers. Um, three, the the conditions, the weather may bring the school and the teams closer together as well. So I think if if the Stormata win, I can actually see it being a lot closer than what many people are predicting. Um, they did jump out to a lead last year. I remember they, they jumped out. I think it was they had a 30-point lead at one stage. Um, and it was only a late sort of surge and comeback um, that sort of – that made the scoreline a little bit more respectable, but it didn't show it, – it, it virtually masked over the fact that Manly was so dominant. So, again, it's starting well will be imperative. Starting well, um, executing the game plan of really limiting the influence um, and the opportunities that Turbo is going to get, especially on kick returns. As I said, one of the, one of the dangerous things is – Ensuring that scattered defensive line on a kick chase, um, you want you want to make sure it's consistent. There is a nice straight line, um, and the kick chase and the line speed is consistent uh, f- across the eighty minutes to really limit his impact. And again, when he does get when he does get that ball on the back of their shape, you want to be corralling him towards the sideline two and three numbers. So you won't so much see uh, because they like to play deep with Turbo off their shape, you won't... By jamming in, it'll it'll basically provide Turbo an opportunity. So it's more about that that inside-out pressure. So coming from that inside... Um, I should say outside-in on the back of shape. So that inside from, from a defensive perspective... As opposed to the 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 winger and the and the and the two men and the three men jamming in, you want to make sure that the inside pressure from the middle uh, AB um, defenders as well as the the four men and the three men are really starting to get numbers around um, Turbo as he gets on the back of their shape on the jockey play usually out the back um, from a back rower from a centre. Or from one of the halves, so and that's on both sides of the ruck as well. So it'll be really, really making sure that they can limit their opportunities. Um, and again, that, that's going to come down to a massive defensive effort. Again, the Storm have pr- proven over the past couple of seasons how to limit and how to sort of take him out and limit his influence in a game. And I dare say they would have already done their homework on that again. So let's see what that has in store. I'm going to predict. Storm by 10, uh, again, for the reasons already outlined. I think th- being at, at Brookvale, um, Manly will be up for the game because of the rivalry, as well as coming off the shellacking at Penrith last week. Uh, and again, the um, the fact that the weather may play a part as well. So Storm by 10. That's 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 what I'm going to go. Uh, anything else would be a bonus, uh, potentially by forty or fifty or sixty, um, as is my disdain 
for Manly. So, but look, fingers crossed. Let's just hope we get the W, um, and it'll be a, a, a happy weekend uh, for us Storm fans. So, um, thank you again for your ears and listening to the podcast, downloading the uh, and, and and supporting the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. I do appreciate the feedback as well. Um, there's been a couple of people reach out to me um, and thank me uh, as well as provide some um, some constructive criticism and feedback as well. Any type of feedback is welcome, ladies and gentlemen. So if you've got some, please send it my way. And um, But, yeah, no, I really appreciate uh, the ongoing support that you guys are, are lending me. So And hopefully you are enjoying uh, the content that I am providing. I just love talking rugby league. I like talking Melbourne Storm. I'm in my little office here by myself really enjoying um, putting these episodes out week in, week out. So sorry that this one is a, a little later in the week. I've had a busy week with work but still make time, uh, although it is uh, almost 1am. But um, alas, uh, it's something I love doing and I'm, I'm doing it for you guys. So, yeah, really appreciate it. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your rugby league. And until next week, um, yeah. Go the mighty storm.